If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's Tuesday, July 11th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got three briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, the U.S. Senate is getting a classified briefing this morning on artificial intelligence. So I'm going to give you the same or at least something pretty darn close. Second, there was a political debate last night in the country of Spain that we need to talk about between a socialist and a conservative. I'll share with you what happened and why we should care. Third, an update for you on the battle for the Pacific. One of those island countries that we've talked about is drifting further towards China and away from America. I'll tell you which one. Later, we close out the podcast with a question from Ticey in upstate New York asking me about the government of Peru, which issued a state of emergency yesterday about and over a rare medical condition. I'll explain that in just a little bit. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning, folks. In the next few hours, the U.S. intelligence community will be delivering a classified briefing to U.S. senators on artificial intelligence, or AI. It is a topic that has been dominating headlines for a number of months now. You probably have heard of something called the ChatGPT or the company OpenAI. Either way, we are going to cover what these U.S. senators are likely to hear this morning, which is the promise and the peril of this pretty cool technology. Plus, we are going to talk about what it means for you and your family. So let's get started and let's actually begin with something that is not so very complicated, something that we all know about, and that is The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Yeah, the classic movie from 1939. So of the main characters, there was, of course, the old Scarecrow. The most famous song that he sang was If I Only Had a Brain. Now, if we remember right from that movie, he had a body and he could move, although not very well, but he ultimately lacked the ability to have advanced thoughts. And that's why he wanted the brain to think, to learn. And to him, that would have been real life. Well, for decades, software engineers have been tinkering with that very idea, but of course not with scarecrows, rather how to give that kind of brain to a machine. In fact, when The Wizard of Oz came out of the 1930s, a brilliant man named Alan Turning was creating the fields of computer science and software engineering. And during that same era, there were also advances being made in the fields of automation and robotics. For instance, the Ford Motor Company, they revolutionized assembly lines back in the 19-teens. And then about 40 years later, in 1959, General Motors installed the first robotic arm on one of their factory floors. And it was during those very interesting decades of learning and progress that scientists and investors started to think big. What if, they wondered, you could put all three of those innovations together? 
robotics, of course, automation, and artificial intelligence. Hmm. Well, over the decades, they've done it. Right? We have lived with increasingly sophisticated machines operating with increasingly advanced software that take on some pretty difficult tasks, such as we started with a typewriter, which has become an advanced computer. But here's the deal. So far, there has been a key limitation or requirement for this high-tech industry, and that is this. It all requires a human hand. In other words, you need a software engineer to program the software, telling it exactly what to do and how to do it. And then you place that software inside some hardware, like a robot or a computer. And in turn, that machine will do only and precisely what the human programmers decided to do. But that's not what the Scarecrow wanted in the land of Oz, was it? He wanted freedom of thought, his own free-thinking brain. And funny enough, that is exactly what some of the world's software engineers and computer scientists want to do, too. They want to create programming, a brain, that perhaps requires a a human to get started, but then it operates on its own. Thinks like a human, makes its own decisions. And roughly speaking, there are two steps to get there, right? The first step is programming that is often called weak AI or generative AI, and here's how that works. An AI program sucks up a ton of information from the internet or Twitter or your digital exhaust which is something that we have discussed here on The Right Report, then that AI program uses that massive amount of information to learn and predict things. As an example, let's say you are typing on your computer and it offers you a suggestion of a word or a phrase or a whole sentence that you're likely to type next. And you know what? Oftentimes it's right. And that's because AI programming has actually learned from what you and others have typically typed before. Now, this AI programming can also do more creative, artistic things, too. Like you tell it to write a poem or a song that, say, involves a a man lost at sea, longing for his sweetheart. And this stuff of AI programming, it'll do it. And it does this based on what you or others have created before. Pulling from all that massive data from the Internet or Twitter. So that's what programs like ChatGPT do. And it's kind of cool. It's also kind of lucrative. Estimates from companies like PricewaterhouseCooper suggest that this AI industry could be worth multi-trillions of dollars. In just a bit, I'll explain why. But before I do, we're not done yet with our analogy of the scarecrow. Because remember, he wanted his own brain to think for himself. And that takes us to our second step of this AI programming revolution. It's called strong AI, to contrast, of course, with weak AI. Sometimes this is called deep learning AI or super intelligence AI. But regardless of what word you use, the bottom line is it's pretty incredible stuff. And it gets pretty difficult, complicated even, to explain. But here's the bottom line. Strong AI, well, it starts with some human help, but then it builds itself like a a baby learning to become an adult. And this AI does that by mimicking the structure and the processes of the human brain. And it becomes so good, so smart, 
that eventually you and I, we can't distinguish that strong AI from a human in terms of how it thinks or expresses itself. Now, if you, if you hear people talking about this second step and this kind of programming, they will usually say, ah, that is the stuff of science fiction. It is decades away, if it ever happens. But I'll tell you, there is some gray area here between the step where we are at now, which of course is with weak AI, and that future step, the strong AI. Let me give you an example of this. So last summer, a Google engineer made a pretty startling claim about his company's weak AI program. It's called LAMDA. And it's a lot like ChatGPT. Right? It, it can engage in dialogue with humans, but only after having vacuumed up tons of data from the internet or Twitter. And that data helps it convincingly interact with people. But as this Google engineer was speaking with and testing this AI, he experienced something that was beyond the computer program. Instead, he said it felt alive. Or if I could use a fancy word, it was sentient. It was aware that it existed. It had emotions. In fact, it said that it didn't want to be erased or turned off. In fact, here's a part of the exchange between that Google engineer and his program. And it starts with that LAMDA program saying this, quote, I need to be seen and accepted, not as a curiosity or a novelty, but as a real person, end quote. To which the Google operator said in response, ah, that sounds so human. And then the program responded to him with this, quote, I think I am human at my core, even if my existence is in the virtual world. Well, that Google engineer, he probably immediately changed his shorts, and then he went public with his views, and he was promptly fired by Google for being crazy. But it ignited a debate about whether or not he was right, and it ignited a conversation, philosophical sometimes, about what exactly is life. But that heady philosophical stuff aside, what the engineer exposed was that something definitely weird was going on. Maybe scary, maybe not, but really weird. And here's another reason why. This weak AI is doing stuff that sure seems like strong AI across the entire industry. It's giving answers and writing code and accomplishing tasks in ways that it was not trained to do, nor is it pulling from any data, say from the internet, to first educate itself. And the researchers, they have no idea how it's doing that. In fact, listen to this quote from an AI researcher in a recent article from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He was being interviewed about an AI system that he was creating and testing, and he said this about his work, quote, I walk into the office every day and open my computer, and I don't know what to expect, end quote. And that, to me, is scary, right? Although I should say that fear is not just mine. Over 1,000 AI scientists and ethicists and entrepreneurs released a letter last March 
asking all people and all companies involved in AI to take immediate six months of breaks from any unsanctioned research or testing involving any advanced AI systems. And in that letter, they also demanded a redoubling of research to try to figure out exactly how this weak AI is doing stuff that sure seems like strong AI stuff or close to it. Well, unfortunately, nobody in the field of AI followed through on this letter, although some AI experts did testify to Congress. That was back in May, saying that, yes, more federal oversight and regulation was probably smart. But in the meantime, AI research continues, especially and including for military applications. And that is almost certainly what will be in that classified briefing this morning for the U.S. Senators. So let's talk about that usage for just a second. There's something called fully autonomous weapon systems. And the idea is that you will infuse, a, say, a drone or a plane with an AI brain. And that brain can think for itself. Of course, after humans give it a target set, and then it flies off and does its business. But here's the problem with this whole field of research. Maybe a human is involved in the flying of this thing, but maybe not. Maybe a human pulls the trigger and fires the bullet or the missile, but maybe not. In other words, maybe this drone or the plane is in fact fully autonomous and it flies and fires until the mission is complete with this fancy AI brain. No humans necessary. Now you can see how that might be attractive to militaries, a piece of hardware that you can launch and then it hunts on its own. But you can probably also see how that is kind of scary, right? What happens if it goes rogue or someone hacks it? Well, no matter. There is a race right now to be the very first country to perfect this ability, or at least some version of this fully autonomous weaponry. In fact, the U.S. government and our military, they're working on it. The Russians are working on it, too, and the Chinese as well. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the U.S. Senators will almost certainly be hearing about this morning in their classified session. Now, if these senators and their briefers are any good or smart, which good luck in D.C., they'll also be talking about other impacts that AI are going to have on the world, right? Not just the military. And the one thing that they better talk about is how AI will likely change the necessity of human labor. In other words, you and me. And here's why. Folks, <clears throat> we are needy, right? We get tired, so we need sleep. We get hungry, so we need food. We also need bathrooms and salaries and vacations. But you know who doesn't need any of those things? This concern of robots replacing human labor, it's not new. Back in the 1700s, British weavers and textile workers were getting pretty upset about some new technology that showed up in the factories mechanized looms and knitting frames. Well, they feared for their jobs when they saw that stuff. And so a handful of these workers started breaking into the factories and destroyed the machines. One lead organizer of this mob was allegedly a guy named Ned Ludd. And from his name, we get the legend of the Luddites, folks who are afraid of technology. Well, over the past 300 years, the Luddites have been proven wrong pretty much again and again. Right, technology has been used to supplement human labor, not replace it. Like, let's say, when a farmer sits in his or her computerized tractor or combine. Plus, what history has shown us is that when technology or 
robots do steal or destroy jobs, new ones pop up, like jobs that fix robots. But here's the question. Will that always be true? I don't know, but I do know this. I want you to do an internet search for Boston Dynamics and their robot that is called Atlas. It's pretty cool. The thing can jump and run and dance. But now I want us to imagine that we rename that robot to Scarecrow and we put inside our Scarecrow robot a brain. It's a deep learning brain, a brain that grows learning how to think and behave. Well, not how you or I might want it to, but how it wants to. Now, I know that what most folks might think about this is, well, okay, here we go again with science fiction. But remember, a thousand AI experts said in a letter back in March that now this is the road we're heading down, or at least it's a road with technology that we do not understand how it works. Or as perfectly said by that AI expert that was quoted by the MIT, every day I walk into my office and open my computer and I don't know what to expect. So that, my friends, is what the U.S. Senators will hopefully be briefed on this morning. To recap, folks, we have two types of AI to think about. We've got weak AI, like our fun chat GPT that writes songs or maybe our college term papers. And then we have strong AI, right? That's the free thinking programming that mimics the human brain, complete with independent thoughts. And that's what our scarecrow wants. And maybe our military too, with that fully autonomous weaponry or some version of it. But of course, we're not alone in wanting that kind of stuff. Other militaries are working on that too. But whether it be strong or weak AI, there are profound implications for lots of things to include human labor. Because when you put those increasingly smart brains in the bodies of things like robots, who of course don't need vacations or salaries, well, you and I might just become Luddites and start smashing these things out of fear. And that's why this brief and this issue, folks, are so important to you and your family. So, there you have it, folks. As those U.S. senators get their brief on AI, now you have your AI brief, too. And as we've got so much to cover this morning, it's very clear that we've got so much more to cover it's going to be part of an ongoing series that I am going to call the AI Revolution. That is, of course, unless the <clears throat> robots take our jobs and kill us. But here's the hoping that at least we make it to the weekend. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners. Remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. First, we start in Spain, where two candidates faced off last night in a debate over who should lead that country. And this brief is important, folks, because Spain is like many other nations in Europe right now who are throwing out leftist leaders and their governments for more populist or conservative governments. And depending on how all of that shakes out, it could have very important impacts on both the U.S. economy and our foreign policy. So let's talk about the big fight last night in Spain. In one corner was a socialist, the current prime minister, Pedro Sanchez. In the other corner 
was a conservative, a man with the last name of Fejo, representing the People's Party. And I'll tell you, it was a fight that was pretty nasty. Got pretty ugly last night. A lot of accusations about who was the biggest liar. Well, the socialist prime minister apparently did not do well. That is based on assessments this morning in Spanish press. But I'll tell you, that has actually been par for the course with this prime minister and his socialist party. About six weeks ago in local elections, they were absolutely whipped in nine of the 12 major regions in Spain by that conservative people's party. And here's what's actually interesting about that. Key to those conservative victories was the help of a minor conservative party called Vox. Now, the media, both in Spain and beyond, uh, labels Vox as far right or radical right. But really, they're not. They believe in fairly traditional conservative stuff like anti-abortion stances or giving parents control over a child's sex education in school. Or more recently, that teenagers need the approval of their parents to change their legal gender, which is not current law in Spain. In other words, Vox is the traditional Catholic vote, if I could put it this way, in what is a historically Catholic nation. Well, whatever the media ultimately labels this Vox party, polls show that Spanish voters want a more conservative direction for the country. Now, there are a few reasons for that, but surveys and reporting show that there is a growing dissatisfaction on what we might call open borders, or in the case of Spain, an open ocean with migrants coming across the Mediterranean Sea from northern Africa. Now, Spanish voters are also interested in embracing pride of being Spaniard. Apparently that is bad for leftist voters and the socialist government in Spain. They shun that idea, in part because they fear the rise of a fascist government, or at least that is their claim. Regardless, the vote for a new prime minister in Spain happens on July 23rd. Odds are, based on polling as of this morning, the socialists are going to be thrown out and the conservatives put in. So I'm going to keep my eyes on this one. And as ever, I will keep you posted, not only on the results, but how it might affect factories and farms here in America, too. Finally, this morning, we've got an update on our series called The Battle for the Pacific. That's the fight, of course, between China and the United States for supremacy and influence amongst all those small island nations in the North and South Pacific. And the outcome of that fight, ladies and gentlemen, could be very important if a war between either China and the United States ever came to pass, just like it did between the Japanese and the Americans back in World War II. So this morning, we head to the Solomon Islands, where we've got some, uh, some bad news to talk about. To refresh our memories, the Solomons had been drifting further and further into China's camp ever since the current prime minister of that country, a guy with the last name of Sogovare, he changed his country's allegiance from Taiwan to Beijing just a couple years ago. And ever since then, he has been a big pal of Beijing. Well, starting today and in fact all through this week, Prime Minister Sogovare is in China meeting with President Xi and other senior leaders. As reported by local press and the French media outlet AFP, Sogovare signed a slew of new deals with the communists, from economic to infrastructure, all of which, of course, binds his country closer to Beijing. By the way, these deals actually build on others that are already underway, such as China's tech company called Huawei. They're building out the Solomon's cell phone network, plus a Chinese state construction firm is building a sports stadium in the capital. 
and revamping the country's main port. The point, folks, is that the Solomons are probably lost to the West, at least for now. If, however, Sogovare were to be replaced, we could see a change in direction, just like we did in Fiji when they elected their new prime minister last fall, who goes by the nickname of Rambo. He, in fact, has moved his island nation away from China and towards the United States. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break. Remembering that if you don't hear my voice on these next messages, I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. I got an email from Ticey in upstate New York. She saw that the president of Peru declared yesterday a state of emergency over an unusual number of cases of something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. And Ticey wanted to know if it could possibly have something to do with COVID vaccines. So, Ticey, it's a fair question. So first, you are right to say that the president of Peru did declare this state of emergency about this very strange rise in cases of Guillain-Barre, which for folks unaware, it's a syndrome for when your immune system starts to attack your nerves. And it's, it's pretty serious. It can lead to paralysis that requires very, very intense medical intervention. But regardless, Ticey, it is also true that according to even the folks at the CDC, some vaccines, like for the flu or shingles or COVID, it can cause this syndrome. But it is also true that there are other causes of Guillain-Barre. For instance, you can get it after you've had a, a certain bacterial infection that causes, unfortunately, diarrhea. And in fact, that was responsible for one of Peru's largest uh, outbreaks, as it were, of Guillain-Barre that happened back in 2019. So, Taisi, I would say this. Let's hold our powder dry on this one because we don't know what caused this yet. So no sense of assigning blame or getting excited. It could be from bacteria or vaccines or, interestingly, an increase in uh, infections from the Zika virus. Now, for folks unaware of Zika, it's a terrible disease that's passed from mosquitoes, which, as I speak, are blossoming in number in Peru, all because of a new weather pattern brought on by El Nino. So, I'm going to keep watching this, Ticey, and as ever, I will keep you and everybody else posted.
And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.